It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It is, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Last week, we chatted with Alistair Broom of Garage Flex about selling large and cumbersome items online and the importance of using your e-commerce site to build your brand and create leads for your sales force. Today, we're continuing with that brand theme with a guest I am hugely excited to have on the show. So I want to let to introduce you to today's special guest. Tamara Deschul is the head of brand at Tesco. Tesco is the fifth largest retailer in the world, turning over 63 billion last year, that's pounds, not dollars, and is in the middle of a big turnaround process, so far shifting from a loss of 6.3 billion to a profit of 162 million within the last 12 months. In this episode, Tamara is going to be telling us a bit more about how Tesco do what they do, and we'll be exploring the lessons the smaller retailer can take from it all. Hi, Tamara. Hi, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. And I've just given the listeners a very quick overview of you and Tesco. Um, how did you get started in retail? So there's actually um, a little story behind this. Um, when I was When I was first at university and I moved from um, small island um, in Spain, Mallorca, which is where I grew up. And I moved to London, this big city, and I've always had this passion for retail. And in, uh, specifically at that time um, for fashion. And I wrote to all of the big retailers and fashion companies to try and do an internship. And this was sort of, I was 18 years old and I probably did a terrible job at writing my CV, but basically no one came back to me and I didn't secure an internship. And I just sort of thought, uh, what am I going to do to get some contacts, get some people to know me in this really big faceless city? And what I effectively ended up doing is I started researching, um, catering companies that were looking for staff to cater at big retail fashion events <laughs> and um, faced the most difficult interview in my entire life, which was an interview about all about how many champagne bottles I could open in an hour, which was absolutely <laughs> terrible. And I had to actually do it there and then. Um, so that was pretty terrifying. But I managed to get through it. And the first event that I catered at was actually the press show from French Connection. And as I was walking around serving champagne, I sort of looked around and checked, oh, who looks really important that I could have a chat with. And um, there was this one guy standing in a corner with loads of journalists around him. And I sort of asked him if he had one minute. And I basically in that one minute sort of said to him, you know, I'd love to do an internship at French Connection. And he sort of said, OK, what's your pitch? And I basically just like I think he just wanted me to stop talking. But I was really excited and told him all these lovely things I wanted to do with the brand. And he effectively said I could start an internship on Monday. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So that was my way of like sneaking myself into retail Um and yeah, as a lot of you will know, once you've sort of got one brand, things sort of then fall into place a little bit easier because I met people across the industry and then sort of moved across a couple of different retailers um, until I ended up at Tesco. So, yes. 
And so how long have you been at Tesco? Have you always been head of brand or have you worked your way through the business? So I've done a lot of different um, roles um, at Tesco. Actually, I've been at Tesco for five years and I think I've done almost seven different jobs in that oh. time. Yeah, I sort of have a little bit of, a, p- people tend to move me around for things that need fixing. Um, so my real background is in strategy, actually. Um, but I've have done roles in, in comms, um, in trade planning, in loyalty, um, and now sort of um, looking after um, brands specifically on value, which is which is great. Well, just before we get really into what's going on at Tesco at the moment, and just in case anyone listening doesn't know what Tesco is, um, could you just give us kind of the key points about, uh, you know, where, where Tesco is based, where you sell, the type of product, those kind of bits and pieces? Yeah, of course. So Tesco is effectively one of the, well, top retailers in the world, really. Um, And there's a whole success story that I'll talk through a a little bit later. But um, in the UK, we're still the biggest in the market when it comes to um, the grocers. Um, Two thirds of our turnover is still in the UK and one third is across Asia and Europe. Um, We're a truly multi-channel business. So um, we have a set of different store formats, but also our online sites. Um, We don't only sell groceries. We also sell general merchandise. And we also um, in banking and we're also in telecoms and we're also in fashion with FNF. So it's a very broad um, retail brand, effectively, which um, covers a lot of the 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 UK. Um, Generally, we are sort of a very populous brand and sort of a bit for everyone. That's really the overall background. Cool. And um, I guess around the team, there's obviously hundreds of thousands of people working at Tesco. So I guess the most pertinent question around the team for for the listeners to this podcast is, have you got the, the web and retail the you know the bricks and the clicks bits are those teams integrated or are they very much different buildings different worlds so they do sit in different buildings as in we have a team which basically run our e-commerce business and then we have our marketing and brand team but we do all of the digital marketing within the brand teams so that's really where you ensure that effectively we set one brand vision and when it comes to executing a campaign that does happen across all the different channels, online and offline, in quite a sort of seamless way. But when it comes to, you know, developing um, the site or any changes to the user experience, that's when we then effectively need to make that extra effort to make sure we're working together to the, gla- to the same objectives um, and make sure it's seamless for the customer. So it's not as if they're experiencing two different brands. So the the e-commerce team essentially control the website and the product and the customer service experience. Exactly. And over in marketing, you're getting the people to the website. Exactly. Okay, cool. I think that's that's something which a lot of businesses struggle with is that merger or the, the cohesive view between people. So, you know, when you get past about 10 people, <laughs> it becomes a whole other ball game. Hence, you know, totally separate businesses is a, is a whole other game. Yeah. Uh, so, so buildings rather, sorry, not businesses, buildings is what I was after. So Tamara, what do you think of all the stuff that's going on at Tesco at the moment? What do you think is the most awesome thing about it from your perspective? So I actually think it's around the massive challenge that we as a business 
face right now. So if you think of, of, of Tesco, you know, Tesco used to be one of the most admired brands in the UK, possibly even in the world. And we used to be the true customer champion, constantly driving innovation. I'll just give you a couple of examples mm-hmm. so you That'd see where I'm coming from. So in 1984, a grandma called Jane Snowball was actually the person to make their very first online shop in history when she sat down in an armchair um, in her home and picked up the television remote control and used it to order groceries from her local Tesco store via Videotex. Now, that was an innovation that we drove at that time. Um, Another great one is our free from range. So we have a whole range which is aimed at customers who are are suffering, uh, who are celiacs. And they, um, we were effectively the very first retailer to launch that range because we had a a customer who wrote a letter to our CEO at the time saying that her child was, um, who was celiac was really suffering, that they couldn't eat any um, of the normal products, whether that was bread, cakes, and really suffering at, um, at, at other children's parties and really feeling like they were living with a real compromise. And what our CEO at the time did is they hired this customer and basically got her in to develop a free-from range because who knew better what the needs and wants were of this consumer than herself who basically was faced with this challenge. So those are just a couple of examples of the things, you know, that we used to do at at the time when we were in absolutely double-digit growth. Yeah. Um, and um, what then effectively happened was from 2007 onwards, this was sort of a bit, and I always use this as a bit of a milestone because it was the point when we sort of went out and claimed that one pound and every seven pounds spent in retail was spent at Tesco. And it was sort of a point where we sort of lost our humility a little bit and everyone was like, (laughs) you know, Tesco used to be the challenger brand on the side of the customer. And suddenly it was like, oh, big, bad Tesco, you know, who are you to think that you're taking all our money? And we started facing more challenges, um, uh, specifically as we were entering the recession and as we had Aldi and Little and the discounters come into the market who were serving customers really well. And uh, that sort of shook us up and it meant we started really focusing on profits and driving efficiencies rather than really driving innovation. And the exciting point now is that, you know, we're sort of two years in since our new CEO arrived into the real Tesco turnaround, which is all about reconnecting our brand to our business and going back to our DNA, which is all about serving Britain's shop a little better every day, which is our purpose. You know, that's what we get up for every day. And back to being this real customer champion. And I guess that right now for me is the biggest challenge of how do we do that? And how do we keep driving all these innovations to bring meaning back to every little helps? Because I, I guess that's really front and centre of what you're doing as head of brand, isn't it? It's it's about trying to work out what the brand is and should be and then conveying that to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, this is where our size can actually come in as a really positive impact because you the, the, the opportunity that you have, the impact in the number of people's lives you can have by making a change is, you know, massive. I mean, 75% of the UK population shop with Tesco in a 12-week period. So if we think on, of like some of the key um, difficulties or barriers that customers face, some of the key changes they want to make in our lives and our role of helping them to achieve those. So if you think, for instance, you know, health is massively on the agenda. So we can have a leading a leading role in helping people truly be healthier. And there's a couple of things which we've done, which is like removing the sweets off the checkouts. We've taken out millions of calories out of our soft drinks. We've, you know, further developed our free from range and have new products in there that never existed before. 
um, things from like the first ever gluten-free profiteroles. So it means people who could never eat profiteroles can now eat <laughs> profiteroles, um, which maybe doesn't quite help with the health trend. Yeah, but- yeah I, was, I was just going to say that. Is that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> but you can see what I mean, the impact effectively and the real difference that you can make to the whole nation, I think is absolutely brilliant. And we have a real responsibility here. And that's what I think is really exciting. And that, that refocusing back on the customer and what the customer wants and how to bring them together there must be a fair amount of research you're doing to work out what that turns into in in practical sense and so what what are the main research methods you're using oh whole variety i have to say i mean um Tesco is very much the big data company and we, we you know, we're not, we, it's not like we haven't, don't have enough data and insight. It's all actually about making sure we select the right data. We look at everything from where the market is going, um, from consumer trends and doing some real sort of more usage and attitudinal studies to try and see how these, for instance, the health trend is really impacting people's lives, how that impacts Um, different segments you know because health means something as an example means something very different to some people versus someone else Um, and um, so what we do a lot is the very analytical side but also the emotional side which is the bit I really love which you know is as simple as spending time in people's homes you know seeing how they shop seeing how they cook meals um, seeing the, the daily barriers and frustrations that they have in their lives where there's currently no solutions. Um, and that's really where I get most exciting, I have to say. Um, we also tend to do some sort of, you know, real customer studies where we give ourselves tasks um, around, you know, if we're trying to redevelop our value brand, as an example, we try and say, okay, the average price sensitive family has £70 um, a week for groceries so let's set ourselves the challenge let's for one week make sure you know that's the amount we spend and you you then that's for me when you really get into um yeah customers shoes and 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 understand um where we can play a role wow yeah that that's really taking it to another level isn't it you're going right this is my customer's challenge right as a team we're going to live this for a couple of weeks yeah but I love that because it's it doesn't even cost anything you're actually saving money you know um and um yeah I'm a big fan of big research methods but I think sometimes everyone can get a bit bogged down with that and actually the simplicity of just living your customers lives for a while in a very disciplined way I think uh, often brings insight into a different level and you can relate to it then as well. I, I think what's also interesting is all those research methods you've outlined, admittedly, the, the majority of our listeners do not have access to the, to the, um, to the club card database, mm. but they've all got access to Google Analytics. They've, everyone's got access to their social media analytics. We've all got the ability to go on usertesting.com and buy some you know, videos of people actually using the website. So none of those methods you've, you've outlined are beyond the scope of any retailer, yeah, know, however mean- small. Yeah. I mean, we use those methods as well, right? But they almost like form as like, they become, in a way, after a while, everyone sort of knows what it's showing. But I think when you're really trying to innovate, especially say when you're first starting out and you want to get that real feel, I find that that's, you know, one of the best ways of doing it. I I could not agree more. So what's on your radar at the moment? What's on the to-do list? So mainly on the to-do list is all around putting meaning back into every little helps. And um, 
the last couple of years, every little helps has all been about price. And if you generally ask people, what does every little helps mean? They're like, oh, yeah, um, well, it's all about, you know, Tesco gives you quite good value. And the truth is, when we first launched this, is what it was about helpful things that we as a service brand effectively did for you. And when we first launched this, we had a list of 120 things that we did which were helpful for you. And this was anything from introducing baby changing rooms in our stores, from replacing wonky trolleys, um, all of these little things which could be an annoyance or a real delight effectively. And what we're doing at the moment is really thinking about what is that? Does that mean for the customer today? And really going back to the DNA of our brand and working out what are these daily barriers that customers face and what are the things we can do to help quite simply. So, you know, some of the studies I described are very relevant to what we're doing at the moment to really try and understand um, how we can be truly helpful. So it's like finding all those little frustrations and then working yes. out how Tesco can help. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, at the same time, you know, there's some quite fundamental hygiene factors that we need to um, generally address, which is just like every other business, which is making sure, you know, quality, price, those sort of more functional metrics. But the things we're really trying to focus on is on the emotional side and where we can, you know, drive our point of difference, um, which is where every little helps comes in. So with that return to kind of listening to the customer and getting the, the value proposition back together as being the fuller part of every little helps, not just the financial side of it. How does how does the, the Tesco marketplace fit into that? So I think if you look at um, Tesco Marketplace as a as a site which was launched, um, I think, well, yeah, a couple of years ago now, mm. I think is you know it's a really interesting concept when you think about the role certain brands are playing in customers' lives and how that's changing. So what I mean is from you know if you look at the Ubers or the Airbnbs of the world, they're the brand effectively is much more the relationship, yeah? They're the, the, the point in the middle, effectively, to transact between different customers. And in a way, like, the marketplace is our way in a retail space where you're effectively um, giving much more power back to the customer, much more power back to a really broad base of suppliers um, and making sure that customers absolutely have that choice from where they can buy and you effectively become that helpful intermediary um, which then drives further loyalty to your brand. Um, I think we're generally doing a lot of work to really try and think how we can um, fully or really grow marketplace. But I think it has a really important role if you think about how so all the different sets of industries have almost like, I keep calling it being Uberized, you know, and in a way I'm sort of waiting for when, can, when is this going to happen in healthcare and when is this going to happen in education? And, um, you know, no one's done it yet. Yeah. So, well, there's a, there's a business opportunity for anyone that's looking for one. Um, <laughs> but um, this is effectively, um, that was very much the initial thought is to give, you know, further breadth to customers on, on, on areas that might not, you know, fully even drive our own expertise and broaden that portfolio. So we, we can expect Marketplace to be around for quite a while to come, come yet then? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of Tesco's part of the turnaround. We're really rethinking, you know, the needs and of each part of the business. So I think you'll definitely see some developments within it. But that was definitely the original thought around it. Cool. And um, have you got 
before we move into the top tips, have you got, say, three key tips for anyone in a smaller business who feels like there's a divorce between what the customer expects and thinks their brand stands for and what their brand should stand for? So for anyone kind of trying to do that turnaround process that you're in the middle of. So I I think to get really clear around what your brand or business, which, you know, the two of them should be intrinsically linked, should stand for. I think there's a couple of things that I always think just as, 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 as quick things to do. The first one is, you know, make sure you still have a true understanding of your customer and the choices they have. Um, why should they be picking you, right? I think that's always something to keep sense checking on. Um, do you truly understand where the customers are going? And if you think about them in a couple of years' time, um, I think to absolutely sense check where the rest of the market is going and having an eye on the competition is really important, but don't try and deviate your strategy to a competitor-leading strategy. Stay true to your customer strategy. Um, and Think of additional ways of how you can further differentiate your brand. And I think if you tra- stay absolutely stay true to what you know, your why is, why you first existed, even though when you start growing, that might suddenly get a little bit unclear. Going back to that why, why you effectively exist and what you do for customers, but finding different ways of how you serve that, I always find is a good way to make sure that you're still staying true to your purpose. Excellent. I like that. Nice, simple, straightforward advice that I think every last one of us can follow um, because it's it's it seems so obvious, yet it's so hard to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's time for the top tips round. Um, and I love, as you all know, this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Tamara... Your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast took Friday off to read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So following the trend of why, (laughs) I have to absolutely say, I know it's an absolute marketing classic. and I'm sure most people have probably read it. But uh, if you haven't read it, like I would absolutely recommend The Why from Simon Sinek. I don't know, Chloe, if you've read it. I love it. Brilliant book. Brilliant book. You know, absolutely absolutely fascinating i think it's some real life examples um even if you've had you know classic marketing brand training it just absolutely reminds you of those principles again it's one of those ones that you every time i i see it on the bookcase i'm like i must read that again i must read that again it really ought to be on my yearly list yes i've actually found there's a first of all an audiobook which is really helpful that i often re-listen to whilst i'm driving to work and secondly there's a really good summary that someone wrote that's online um which um you could have a read of if you just wanted a very sort of uh, quick summary of it oh, but cool. that would, yeah that would be my recommendations well we will we will endeavor to put a link to that summary online as well for everybody in the show notes but next up the traffic top tip which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves for me, this is a really straight, well, really simple, straightforward one. And it's basically going back to being really clear of what your purpose is and what you want to be a destination for. I think if that's something that you can invest in customers' minds, that that's what your destination for, and you just get people to search you organically, um, I think you've won most of the time and you don't have to bother with a lot of other things. <laughs> um, but, you know, it sounds really, really simple, but 
again, as a business grows, you start thinking, oh, and I want to be known for this and I want to be known for that and I want to be known. But what is truly the one thing that you want to be searched for and how that links to your purpose, I think is just really important. And it is the centre of SEO as well, isn't it? If you create the perfect site for that, then everyone will come to you. Absolutely. It happens naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? Oh, this is a really difficult one. Um, I, I, we don't really use a very specific tool, but I, I do have a tool I want to share that I um, discovered. It's less work-related, I have to admit. That's okay. But, um, I, 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 just, I just really like it. It's called Splitwise, and I find it brilliant when you're traveling with friends to split all your expenses. And it used to spend so much time during the week trying to figure out after a weekend trip or a dinner together who owns owes how much money. And this app is basically absolutely brilliant. So if you're traveling with friends, this is more of a like lifestyle tip, <laughs> then I would absolutely download this app. It's brilliant. Oh no, that can be such a such a difficult problem. I like that. That's a great tip. I'm I'm probably gonna download that myself this evening. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. <laughs> Okay, the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? So put yourself into your customer's shoes would absolutely be the first one. Do everything you can do to behave um, and feel the life of your customers. And I think, you know, setting yourself little tasks like the one I mentioned earlier on, which is like 70 pounds as a family, that's how much you have. Or, um, you know, if, 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 if your product or if your business is about something else, whatever problem you're trying to solve for the customer, put yourself into that problem. Um, and I think when you then experience that firsthand, I, I just think everything else becomes so much easier. So that would be my top tip. Another great piece of advice. And Moss Plan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 55. I have one last top tips question for you, Tamara, which is, if your business didn't exist, which e-commerce business would you like to be running? So this is both from a brand, but also from a personal one. I'm a, I'm a massive Zara fan because I think what they do so brilliantly well is they're all about the experience of the brand. So if you go into their shops, there is absolutely, you know, well, they generally just do not do any comms. They do not do any what we would call absolutely classical marketing. They, they never do any magazine ads. They don't do any outdoor campaigns. They don't spend any money doing any of that. When you go into their store, you experience their product, you experience their service, you experience their merchandising, and that's what makes the brand, and which I find absolutely brilliant. Um, I personally find when I use their online site, the experience is not as great as it, when it is in their stores. Um, they're probably having similar issues in a lot of other e-commerce businesses, but I feel like they've massively focused on making it as trendy and fashionable as possible, and the usability just totally goes out the window. Um, most of their product images don't, you can't even see the whole product because it's shot in like this really cool, trendy way. Some of them are, some images are in black and white, so you don't even know what color it is, but it looks cool. So I just wonder whether they've taken it a step too far and given, you know, I really admire the brand. Um, I think that would be my choice to, to really add some value from that perspective. 
this is your troubleshooting nature coming into play, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Fix it. <laughs> yeah. I say I was uh, last time I was over in the States, I went into a Zara store and it was like walking in back into the UK because it was so similar to what to the experience in the UK compared to, you know, even that hundreds of thousands of miles away. Um Okay, so Tamara, before we say goodbye, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Yeah, well, I mean, I think sort of it's almost hard to escape Tesco, I have to say. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure you can find Tesco. Um, if you wanted to contact me, then, you know, I'm just on LinkedIn. So you could always um, send me a message if you have any other questions or um, we're looking for more brand tips. And I'm always open to that. So, um, so yeah. Cool, an amazing offer there, everybody. So go and go and find Tamara on LinkedIn with all your all your brand tips, um, <laughs> and don't don't overwhelm her. They're only serious ones, um, right? I'll add links to all that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash fifty five, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab, or use the search box. You all know the drill. Tamara, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce master plan podcast today and for sharing so much with us. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much, Chloe. Wow, what a fascinating insight that was into life at one of the biggest retailers in the world. Um, I thought I'd just wrap this one up by um, summarising what I think the key lessons there there that we can all take, because it was interesting to see how similar the challenges at Tesco are to the challenges that all of us are facing day to day in our businesses. It's the same things. It's just a lot easier for us to change them than it is for, for them. Um and, and who else realised or could remember that every little helps was not just about the money? I could have sworn it was a pure, purely about the money, not about extra helpful things. Anyway, here's, here's my four kind of key key takeaways, key lessons for, for all of you out there from this one. First of all, I think be tenacious. Um, I thought uh, Tamara's story about how she managed to get that first internship at FC UK is something which we all have to do every day, day in, day out, is be that little bit tenacious. Take the chance, plot the route in, think of a different way to achieve what we're trying, our end goal, what we're trying to get to. The second one was make sure you're looking at the right data when you're analysing and don't just get, you know, we can all spend half a day in Google Analytics and learn absolutely nothing. So keep in mind what you're trying to learn, but also make sure you're mixing the pure data with the more emotional real data. So I guess that would be the qualitative as well as the quantitative. Interesting that pretty much all the research methods that they're using, you can access for a couple of hundred dollars at most, um, even as the smallest business, which is brilliant these days. You couldn't have done that, you know, four or five years ago. It would have been nearly impossible to do that. You'd have had to book a testing studio. And the third one I thought was was about getting into your customers' shoes. That idea of really thinking about the the financial struggles they're under, the, the lifestyle they're leading and really trying to experience that to understand them better. I thought that that was a brilliant piece of advice. Likewise, um, and this is my final, my number four, get back to the basics of who your business really is and how really understanding the fundamental reason you exist, the way you reach your customers, what you do for your customers and how that becomes the should be the core of everything you do and how if you lose track of that, then you quite quickly lose track of growth and profit and all the rest of it. 
In fact, that last point, number four, we've got a story of next week in our podcast where we'll be chatting to Liam from Regal Gentleman, a men's grooming website, about their very clever approach to business and how as a much smaller retailer, as pretty much, you know, about a year old startup, they discovered partway in that they'd lost track of the basics. And now they've got back to the basics of what the business really is. They're achieving a lot more success. But Liam explains that much better than I just did next week. So make make sure you listen to our next podcast, number 56. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do make sure you subscribe so you get the rest of our episodes as they become live. And if you really, really enjoyed it and everything we're doing, then it would be lovely if you could put a review on iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues about it, because the more people who listen, the more people I can help to build more successful businesses. Have a great week, all of you, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.